0: What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. We got the whole crew fully healthy or well, semi healthy. We'll see how it goes. Uh, we're going to cover the loss to the Clippers and the loss to the Knicks and talk about injuries. And I, am, I don't know, like we could make an entire show out of the injuries. Jake Laravia goes down last night in the Knicks game. Uh, I hadn't seen an update from that. I just know he went down. It looked kind of rough. He was able to walk off of the floor, but he went straight back. And then you got a Grizz PR that he was not coming back to the game. Desmond Bain rolled his ankle in the Clippers game. They have him listed as day-to-day, but he was there in a walking boot with crutches last night. So I don't know that that is really truly day-to-day. We'll see what happens with that. When we saw Marcus Smart come out with a boot, Uh what he he ended up missing, what was it, 17 games, something like that? Yeah,
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, six weeks, something like that, yeah. The uh whoever dislikes the Grizzlies and has the voodoo doll is voodoo doll, man, put it up turning all over that crap this year. It's just just madness. But heading into this the the Knicks matchup last night. With the injuries, uh, you know, Jaron was kind of a, a late scratch with uh, it, it set his knee. D- don't know how serious that is. I feel like that's just um, like them leaning into the tank. Honestly, that that's what I feel like. But I, I didn't expect them to beat this next team. Jalen Brunson was out, but even without Jalen Brunson, with the guys that the Grizzlies had to run out there, this game was a lot more competitive than I thought that it was going to be. And we saw some really good stuff from young guys, which for me, if, if I'm the Grizzlies, that's what I want to see moving forward. And like for, for the rest of the season, if a guy like Bain or Jaron is fringe injured, we're going to go ahead and let them set for a couple games to see what these young guys have. We've gotten a lot of run from Roddy, LaRavia, Zaire. None of those guys have really looked the part. And last night, G.G. Jackson and Vince Williams, I feel like they rose to the occasion. They're like, okay, they're, they're going to take control of these rotation spot, slots heading into next year. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think I'll let you,
1: I'll let
2: you kick off. Um, I, I think going in last night, like you said, man, at, at this point, I, I don't think it's even fair to put any expectations on it, even whether it's the Knicks or – no matter who you're playing, uh, even if they could be playing the Hornets that I'm not necessarily saying, okay, yeah, this is a game that they are 100% going to go out and win. Um, it's just a war of attrition, man. This point is just, you you can't, there's nothing for you to even say uh, about these injuries, man. It just, I, I don't even know how to put it in words. Uh, Taylor Jenkins called it unique. Um, I, I don't even think that's strong enough. I don't know what you would say about this, but whoever has that voodoo doll, definitely put, put it up. I guess not, don't, you don't even need to put it up at this point because you've, Been successful, so of disbanding this team and disbanding this season. Last night, I mean, you surrendered. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say last night, man. You gotta like the effort, though. Um, I mean, this team came out and played hard. It wasn't for a lack of competing; it's just not having the talent. I mean, you don't have the size. We were talking about before we came on here. Isaiah Hardenstein, huge game for him, twelve and twenty last night. They just don't have, didn't have the size to to deal with him. But I think. Gigi Jackson, I think, is the the bright spot of this. I mean, he had 20 points um, in his game. And I I saw somebody put this stat out the other night. I think – and not the the, the crap on Zion Williams, but I think he's only had 20 points three or four times in his career. And Gigi Jackson gets his first real run and comes out with 20 points. And I think the thing about this 20 is it wasn't like fluky. It it feels like something that was repeatable. He was getting it done in different ways. He was knocking down threes, get to the basket, you get to the mid-range. Um, it it didn't feel like okay well this is just a guy that's having a a night he's getting playing time he doesn't usually get up, and he's just making a few shots here and there this feels like if he gets that type of playing time he's part of the rotation that he can put up these type of numbers Um, and I think that has to be really encouraging uh, because we have talked so much about the wing and not and not having the guy's requisite talent on the wing and now you look like you have two guys that have come out of nowhere with Vince Williams Jr. and GG Jackson, guys that weren't your top draft picks. This wasn't you trading up two first round picks to get Arabia, moving on from Melton and getting David Roddy, taking Zyra Williams at the 10th pick. You have a late second round pick, mid to mid second round pick in Vince Williams Jr. that was playing most in the G League. And now GG Jackson, a rookie you took this year in the second round, who look like players for this team going forward. And I still don't give them a lot of credit for it. Because these guys wouldn't be getting this playing time if it wasn't for a tremendous amount of injury. They were just kind of forced into it. And I think they're going to find out that they got big-time players in both. Um, and, and I think this has been a problem that we've seen with this organization. I think if, and not to to, to beat a dead horse, but going back to even Lofton, I, I think if they had put Lofton from the beginning and put him in the type of position that he needs to be for a skill set, which is kind of tough on this roster. But if he had that, kind of push and gave him real minutes to where he succeed, I think they would have found out they had a real player in him as well. So I'm glad these two guys are, are getting their opportunity, but it definitely is not a whole lot of credit to this front office coaching staff because I think it's only happening – I know it's only happening because of the injuries.
0: Yeah. 100%. i want to give a little pushback, and then I'll let you go, Candace. You said that you think it was tough to find Lofton run with his skill set on this roster. <laughs> And and I disagree with that, man. You need somebody – this team has needed somebody to get buckets off of the bench. And Lofton, I think, is more than capable of doing that. You just have to I, – I we talk about adjustments with his coaching staff and nauseam, honestly. But I, I think that with Lofton's skill set and a, a need for this team Whoa. is buckets off the bench – Lofton could have been that
1: guy. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. But, he, but he's I'm not a. I don't think the coaching staff. I the coaching staff did his style of play. I'm right. not saying it was right,
2: yeah. right. said he did do it. I'm just saying, but the way they the style look at it, didn't match.
1: right? Yeah, yeah, it
2: didn't match. It didn't match how they wanted, wanted to play. Like right. they should have adjusted to. For me, you know how much I love Lofton. I would have adjusted to him because I think he had that type of talent that they should have made a spot for him. But I don't think they were willing to. Is what right. I kind of what I was saying.
0: So, right. like to good. me, I, I think. You you adjust your game plan based off of your personnel, not the not the other way around.
2: That's just not what they do. Yeah, <laughs> that's
1: not a Memphis
2: man. Yeah,
1: no, just realistically, just, man, that's that's not how it goes. Yeah, I, mean, I, we, just, I we don't I don't disagree with you. I'm with you, but like, not a Memphis man. Not, <laughs> that was the case. We would we would have seen more out of Jaron Jackson before now. I mean, seriously, and we still don't really see him in his full. You know, I think capabilities because they, you know, want to have a certain way they want to play. So that, that limits even him. So if, you, if it limits him, then it definitely limits your guys like Kenny Lofton and, and even Gigi to some extent. Yeah. But I, yeah. Go ahead. No, you're, um, so uh,
0: I was, I messaged Candace Isaac. Like, I don't even know if you saw this. I, it, it was in the group message, but. Gigi's nineteen years old, and you know we we've watched him killing it with the hustle, like playing at a level like okay he he needs to be up with the Grizzlies, but because of the dynamics with the roster, we figured that he was going to stay down there all year, and I was kind of of the mindset prior to just the complete meltdown of everybody that's a, a rotation player on this team meltdown is not the right word, but like, I don't know, we're running like a a hospital right now, you know, like (laughs) everybody's going down. But prior to that, I was of the mindset, Hey, let's keep this guy in South Haven dominating with the ball in his hand, rather than bringing him up and making him play something outside of where he's comfortable. But I really think, you know, you may, Isaac. You mentioned him doing it, and you know, getting to getting his twenty in multiple different ways, whether it was shooting the three, getting to the mid range. Uh, he he had a pretty pretty nasty oop, um, you know, where where he threw down a, a reverse dunk that was you know that was pretty spectacular. He he is a guy that right now, even if this team was healthy, he could fit something that they desperately need. And that's a guy that can get buckets off of the bench. Uh, I go back to like the the OKC team with Durant, Harden, Westbrook, Abakas, Kendrick Perkins. They had Harden coming off of the bench as their sixth man. Harden was definitely not the sixth best player on that team. He was two or three at that point. I think that Gigi Jackson has the skill set, the size, the athleticism, the stuff that he needs that two or three years down the road, he could be the second or third best player on this team. Do you think that's a possibility? Candace kind of – she didn't think that the coaching staff would allow that to happen, but is that something that you could see happening from Gigi?
2: Talent-wise, yeah. I I 100% think that. You know, I'm a big – believer in him and i'm with you i don't think it should have taken taken this to turn into the grizzlies sponsored by the med in order for him to get get these type of minutes like i I think he should have been up from the beginning but with this organization they're not taking the guy in the second round he's getting any kind of real push that first year it's it's just not going to happen um and and i kind of agree with candace i I don't know if they're going to allow him to do that uh because gg we saw this in college at that South Carolina team. He was the the team. Like everything that went on with the team offensively, it ran through him. He was on the ball, super, super high usage. And when you look at the way this team is built with Ja, Bain, and we're even talking about still now how Jared is not getting, doesn't get the offensive touches and he's not used the same way that he needs to be. I can't see a fourth guy coming in, breaking into that. Like I I think it's still going to be Ja Bain into a, Lesser extent, trip that are are the the leaders of his team. I think anybody else is going to be secondary, uh, but but I do think he has the type of talent at that size, um, and, and his skill set. I, I think he has the potential to be that type of player. I just don't know if they're going to allow him to truly flourish the way that I think he might if he was on another roster. Because I'm saying he has the type of talent to be like a lead player, like a you run your office through this guy. This is guy like he has that type of potential with that size of that skill set it's just going to be interesting to see how do they develop him that way because we've always talked about them bringing these guys in and just sticking them in the corner and and that's not what he needs Uh, i mean we we saw i mean his one-on-one ability is crazy i mean some of the stuff that we saw from him we were talking about him during draft time and and every time i say this i don't want anybody to think that i'm saying he's going to be kevin durant or anything but a lot of the stuff that you saw him do on ball when one-on-one, one-on-one situations at South Carolina, it looked like a young KD. I mean, with that high release on that shot, just taking guys out the dribble and and pull it up and them not being able to block that shot because he's so long and and it's such a high release. That's a skill set that he has, but are the Grizzlies going to allow him to so cook, so so to speak, in that way? I don't know. Uh, I I like the fact that now he's probably going to get these reps, up with the big club because i feel like in south haven i don't know if that's it was necessarily the, the great environment for him to kind of develop his game the way he needs to i still don't know if it's going to happen up with the big club but i think it's better for him than it was in south haven so these reps are going to be really good for him but but going forward i, I think we're going to find out a lot about because if you're not going to let him cook in this environment i mean why wouldn't you uh with, with what they have going on right now you should have free reign because you won't this to be developmental time. So you're going to see the rest of this season, how they use them. But I think that's a, a big question going forward. I just don't know if they're going to try to develop them in that way, because if you look at past experiences, that just hasn't been what they've done.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah most definitely. I think I think it's going to come down to I, I think it would take a major fall off offensively for one of the core to, to really see him as, as truly the number two. But I, I compared him in a group chat. Uh not necessarily that they got different types of games. So I'm not comparing their style of play as much as just the role. And I can really see him playing a, a critical role in terms of being like the Mikhail Bridges, the Buck, a guy who can yeah. be reliable, a guy who can maybe even help you close games. I think they'll yeah. I think yeah. that may give him that much uh, That's potentially. A or let him let him cook, you know, in closing minutes, stuff like that. I think you can get that. Um, I think, it, it question about his defense, obviously, but I think, you know, when Mikael Bridges went to the Nets, everybody was like, oh, this is a guy who you can definitely 100% build around, build a team around, build a franchise around. He's, saw him having 40-point games. I could see a world where that would happen, where, like, you look up, and if he gets the opportunity, yeah. he can step up to it. But he was still really an important key part of, the the Suns as, like, contending champions. So I think no matter what, if you can get this run, it raises their ceiling. Because so you got the two wings. I really think that Vince Williams Jr. and Gigi Jackson really are your guys. The rest, if you want to keep one around for, it's like I have one around if you want to, I guess. I mean, if you decide you want to have Zaire just because it's length or whatever, whatever, like, you can if you want to, but it's not really going to be, you know, I mean, he'd be, probably be, got 14, 15, right? Whoever that person is. But uh I, I think they've really found something here. And I think it could really fill some holes that they've had in this roster for a long time. I think the 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 void has been in the house and, and now um these guys will get the opportunity to hopefully especially in Gigi's case to to truly develop because Scotts uh, sky's the limit man you bring those two guys back in addition with your healthy core that you had going before Man, get a real big in here, another real big in here, and you're you cooking. You're cooking on grease. I think that's easily one of the best rosters in the West. No question.
2: I mean, I, I think that's a fantastic comparison, Mikhail Bridges with Phoenix. I, I think that's what you could see in a guy that you saw when he moved on to another team where he was kind of that main piece. You saw that he could expand that role as a guy that you can run offense to and kind of be the leader of a team. I, I definitely think that's the type of – potential he has. He has to prove on the defensive end, obviously, right. to kind of be compared to Mikhail Bridges, but that type of role within that system, being that th- third, fourth guy uh, on that team, uh, I think that is what you'll kind of see with the Grizzlies. I, I don't think they're going to truly let him cook uh, the the way that he probably could with his talent, but I think he could be a really, really important piece. I just don't know if he could be the second piece.
1: And, and I'll say this, I'll just add that I think Given that, given some of the mindset and maturity issues that he had coming into the league, I, I think in order for him to really meet his peak, I think he's the kind of guy that probably needs to play a role first, developing that sort of, you know, because sometimes it's some hero ball that he could do in college and, and sort of backfire. So I think it probably is long-term best for his progression anyway. Um, and, like, I what, like I think the question, can he feel that here with the Grizzlies? I don't know but he's definitely somebody that um, can take you far. And that I think either way needs this run and this role. I don't think that the Grizzlies are wrong necessarily for having him do this, especially given sort of his background in college.
0: I think that it's all going to depend. If he will buy into improving on the defensive end of the floor he can be an elite two-way player. Right. The, you know, That's somebody right. with with his speed, you know, his footwork is good. There's a lot of stuff that he does on the offensive end of the floor. It's like, okay, some of those skills are the same things you're going to use to be effective on the defensive end of the floor. And one thing that, that he does that I didn't see a whole lot in college, and I guess it was probably just because of where he was at and, and his role in college – He's a, he's a pretty good off ball rim protector, you know, like a, a help help side rim protector. Yeah, you know with that the size and the length and his ability to jump, like he's done pretty well at that. Watching him down with the hustle and then you know hey, this, two at night. Yeah, yeah, you know he the the tools are all there, and that that happens with a lot of young people. Okay, they've got the tools. Are they going to be able to put it together? But so far, I really, really like what we've seen from him. Um, let's talk about David Roddy. Roddy last night in the in the loss to the Knicks, six of twelve from the field, two for four from three, fourteen points, four rebounds, um, two steals, two turnovers. But he was a team worst negative nineteen, and it was like honestly, it was tough to watch him. There were us. There was a stretch, and I hold. on, Let me pull this note up because I typed the lineup in. I'm like, what? What are we doing here? How, how does? How do you throw this lineup out there, expecting for it to perform? It was Gilliard X, Roddy Z, and Conchar.
2: <laughs>
0: that that was the lineup that was uh, out Taylor's there. special, and for, <laughs> three possessions in a row. David Roddy took early shot clock, bad shots, whether it was a, a step back three or getting downhill and taking an off balance shot. And it reminded me a lot of the crap that we would see when Dylan was being the yeah. over aggressive, trying to play hero ball. It reminded me of that. And I was just like, man, get him out of here. Like put, put him on the bench I know, you have 14 points, a lot of times you look at that and it's like, oh, that's not a bad showing because, you know, you had Conchar that played 20 minutes and didn't score at all. So who would you rather have, Conchar or Roddy? And my answer is Conchar because even though he didn't score any points, you know, zero points, three rebounds, didn't really do much. He was a negative nine compared to Roddy's negative 19. And and we've talked about how – Single game plus minus doesn't tell the story all the time. But in this case, I feel like it does. Conchar didn't do a whole lot offensively. He didn't do a whole lot, period. But he didn't go out there and make the mistakes that David Roddy was making.
2: Yeah, because the the thing about Roddy, and and you said about the plus minus, is Conchar doesn't do things that hurt you. That's the reason why his plus minus is going to be lower. Because, I mean, like you said, he didn't score. He did have three rebounds and assists, a steal and two blocks. So, Cunchard does do some things. I think Cunchard is better defensively than Roddy uh, also, and he's not going to get ahead of his skis, so so to speak. One thing that Roddy will do, and you could talk about the comparison to Dylan Brooks, he does have a tendency to call his own number, uh, with, especially if yeah. he's been playing well offensively early in the game. Usually, he, if, if he hits a couple shots, he's going to keep shooting. That's, that's the thing about David Roddy. I mean, he sometimes makes tries to make these drives and go one on three doesn't really have it force things at the rim and, and that's something that he's gonna do it, it's a lot of jekyll and hyde in, in roddy's game Um, and, and that's why i just don't know about him because you'll see a couple moments here where you look pretty good might hit two or three threes in a row then he, he might miss four wide over threes in a row after that that's the thing about him he doesn't he, he doesn't try to fit in his role i mean he tries to be he plays like he, at times, like he's a a main offensive piece on, on the floor. And, and that's not really what he is or what he should be. Um, And, and that's what you'll see. You'll see, like, his numbers, what was he, 6 to 12? That sounds fantastic. You, you're talking about 50, 50%, but he might have been 4 of 6 and then missed 5 shots after then. That. That's that's what you, you see from him. And I think that's exactly what you saw last night. I mean, he gets offensive happy sometimes. He'll take some bad shots, make some bad drives, have some pretty head scratching turnovers because he tries to force things.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. And and on the on the contrary, uh, shout out to Fast Breakfast who who sort of highlighted this one play in particular where where Vince was wide, Vince Williams Jr. was wide open for a three pointer, and he he opted to choose to pass to Luke Kennard who hit the shot instead, in which is just. You know, great awareness in terms of understanding not not events has been, I mean, one of the better three point shooters on this team overall on the year, uh, surprisingly. Uh so it's not even like he's a bad shooter per se. Um, but he realized he just didn't have it that night and was able to sort of defer. And I don't think there's anything more that you could want from a, a, a bit a guy off the bench than than that sort of awareness in, in that moment. And I think it's the exact opposite of what of where David Roddy is. And while I do think that David Roddy can be more consistent than uh, Zaire Williams in terms of offensive production, Zaire too will sometimes defer sometimes to a fault. I think sometimes you get turnovers because Zaire is deferring, but I, I don't know. It's, this is going to be really interesting seeing these guys play it out because I think both David Roddy and Zaire Williams are, you know, if you're trying to decide since you got Vince, you got Gigi, if you wanted a third guy, to stick around, they're both got some hide and Jekyll to their games, most definitely. Zaire's floor is lower than Roddy's, but then the question of, you know, those issues in terms of hero ball, calling her a number, and then just his size sort of being a tweener anyway, it does bring up a legitimate question. If you had to keep a third guy around, who would you rather have? And I think it's a little too early. We've seen, you know, 2 they're both inconsistent. They both have different – you know, pros and cons. Some people like the dog that Roddy can have in him. I agree. But also, do you like Zaire's length? I don't know. Uh we'll see how this plays out because I think it'll even help me to solidify my head because right now, I really don't know. They both they both just give you such stark contrasting performances that it's really hard to it's really hard to, to flesh out. I mean if you can move on from both, then I, I would tell you do that. But I know this I'd be surprised the Grizzly staff completely did that. I can just see them keeping one them yeah. down, uh, from that class. Just, you know, I don't know <laughs> for pride's sake, maybe, but, um, but yeah, man, I, we're definitely going to get such a chance to see it here in the future because the way this war of attrition is going with this team, they're going to get a lot of rips.
0: It's really tough because I almost want to lean Zaire. Like if, you, if you're picking between the two, you mentioned you felt like his floor was lower. Mm-hmm. But th- there's there's kind of this thing where the overconfidence from Roddy, right. is that something you can coach out of him?
1: Right, exactly. It's the timidness
0: play. from Zaire, is that something exactly. you can coach out of him? And right. which one's better or worse? And the truth is, I, I think it, it about balances out. Because if you get to a spot where Zaire has the ball – and he can get to the rim, is he going to do that? Or is he going to overthink it and turn the ball over? Or if you get to the spot where Roddy catches the ball and he's got a good look, but he's got Desmond Bain in the corner or Luke Kennard in the corner, you know, or a better shooter in the corner, is he going to defer to pass up a good shot to get a great shot? And and the, the balance there is tough. And I don't know these guys well enough – to be like, okay, I can we coach this out of Roddy? Can we coach this out, up in Zaire? I don't know the answer to that right now, and and the coaching staff may not know that yet either. But yeah. I, I think that that is that's kind of the battle between those two. If you're comparing those two specifically, and it's not always as simple as it's in between these two guys, but you know the the there are equal issues for both of them, but the issues
2: are different. So right. yeah, th- there's a lot for them to figure out for sure. I, I think if you're talking specifically between those two guys, and I know a lot of people would would probably disagree with this in a fan base because they just kind of look at scoring numbers and, and they look at what the performances that Roddy has had offensively uh, during his time here and they be like, oh, well, he's the better player. I don't agree with that because necessarily because of some of the reasons we just laid out. I personally think if I had to choose between the two, I would probably keep Zaire um, because of his size and his length. And you talk about some of the bad decision-making. And even we've seen Zaire do that as well. Like you yeah. said, they both have major, major flaws in the game. And Candace pointed out the tweener issue with David Roddy. And I think that's, to me, out of anything, even more so than – what we've talked about in this game. I think that's his biggest issue overall as an NBA player and his viability of, of being an NBA player. I think it's the fact of what position is he, what is he really, what, what hole do you, do you fit him in? I think that's a big question with him. That's why I think prototype wise, I think I would go with Zaire just because of that size, that length, even though he hasn't lived up to that potential. I, I think when you see good performances from Zaire, I think it gives you more of what you need than when you have good performances from, from David Roddy.
1: That's a good point. And and I, I think I've actually said the opposite. I think we've talked about this before. And then just based on production, I think a couple of times we've said like, you know, you prefer Roddy just because you know, he can get, you can get more consistent performances, but again, again, I think we were talking about that. It was more short term, right? It was more like in terms of who are guys that we feel like we should get the minutes right now. It was that, but in terms of long-term, I think I, I might agree with you. As as down as I am on Zaire, and as much as I do feel like he can sort of uh, my biggest thing with Zaire is his his knack for killing momentum. Sometimes it just seems like sometimes when right when he's in the mix and he's done better. I as of late he's had better fourth quarters, but sometimes I just feel like in those fourth quarters and those pressure high minute moments, he just a turnover here and a and a, and a yeah. miss you know mistake here or a wrong read here. It just seems like it always happens at at poor times with Zaire. But if you're talking about a guy who's then number, you know, 12, 13, 14 on your bench, then, you know, you still like that upside with him. If, you, if you're not, if you're talking about him in a lesser role than the guy who you're not regularly depending on anyway, just sort of a guy that they have on the roster, then I do like, you know, Zaire's size, his length, and he has shown flashes. You just know that you can't consistently get the, that out of him. But that's no different than a John Conchar who, you know, you can't get consistently yeah. out of him. Um, and Zaire's, I will give him this, done a great job in terms of uh, giving you rebounds. He he is a guy that I think has added that to his game pretty consistently, whereas last year, you know, he could play plenty of games with no rebounds, really. <laughs> he wasn't really a rebounding guy. I think he's done better with the scrappy plays to give him a little bit more value on the back end of that bench. Long
0: term. Like, how much of – The overconfidence in Roddy is the infinite green light from Taylor Jenkins. We we see Dylan Brooks going down to Houston and being accepting of the role that he's expected to play. And I've seen multiple people say, well, you know, that never would have happened here because Dylan was drafted here. He had his mind made up. And that might be right. That might be right. But do we know that for sure? Do we, like, I I just have no confidence in Jenkins being able to give guys a defined role. Yeah. And and that is, you know, we always let that mother fly, right? And and so that's what Roddy's going out there doing. And, you know, 50% from the field is not a bad thing, but – there were times in the game where they had no business being in this game with the guys that they were playing out there against the Knicks, a, a mostly healthy Knicks team. Um, they, they had no business being in this game. But those three possessions where Roddy either fired up a, a step-back three or, you know, um, off balance mid-range, or whatever it was, those possessions could have made the difference between a win and a loss – and in this game, it didn't really matter. Because I I went into this game with, okay, let's see something from somebody. And we saw Vince Williams play well. We saw Gigi Jackson play well. Um, we saw Luke Kennard, in my opinion, not really play all that well. He played very tentative last night. And to be honest, that kind of scares me. But we'll, we'll get into that. But I, I don't know that you can really gauge it of – How much of it is on the coaching staff? But I feel like a small percentage, maybe even slightly bigger than small percentage of David's Roddy, David Roddy's issues falls back on this endless green light that Taylor Jenkins gives these guys.
1: I think that's a a great point because it's consistent across the board. You see Xavier Tillman taking way more threes than anybody. I mean, he, he only took two last night. I'm just saying like Tillman taking threes at this point is, you just, you just shouldn't be there. That should be like Bismack. He didn't even try. And I think that's how this thing should go. I do think he allows these guys to sort of develop on their own. He's known as a player's coach, right? And I think that while that buys him great loyalty with the team, I know there was some debate on Twitter about Jaron Jackson's comments about how <laughs> he stood up for Taylor Jenkins. Yeah. I think those guys are always going to stand up for him because they appreciate That confidence, they're going to view it as a pre. I appreciate the confidence that coach is putting in me to make these shots. And really, the players should feel that way. They have every right to feel that way. But it doesn't mean that it's not a huge flaw that the players can't see. They're competitors. They want their coach to believe in them. They want their coach to give them the green light as what every player wants. It doesn't mean that it's best for the team. And I completely agree with you, David, that it just doesn't, he struggles to say, You're here to do this. And because of that, I think it makes for some, I think it underutilizes your talent in some ways. And, you know, I think that's part of the reason we don't see Jaren and Ja have more chemistry is because they just sort of have the green light to play in whatever way they feel is most comfortable, not being pushed to get outside of their comfort zone or to focus on a specific area of, you know, the game or to, to build on that. Um, they can grow and develop, they get these large books in the offseason, but they can gotta grow and develop and pick from that list of things, right? As they choose, and it takes a lot longer for guys to really develop a role of their own because they really have to figure it out for themselves.
2: Yeah, it's one thing to to have trust in your guys and and, and empower your players because you should. That that's something that you should do, but then there's a line. Uh, that 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 should be there, and I think Taylor Jenkins at times is on the other, the, the right side, the wrong side of that line. Um, I, I think we saw even saw a window into that with Desmond Bain's post game comments after that when, when The job ja, with the game, the job ja came back at the game winner. Mm-hmm. He was basically saying that they were were gonna go to trip, and he said no. Des, Desmond Bain told John, ja, "No, we're going to you." Like the players are deciding what they're gonna do in a last second shot. Exactly. And that's something that the coach should be making that decision. Like if the say no, we're going to we're gonna to go to job, we're gonna to go to trip in the post or whatever we're gonna do. And I think there's some Payne kind of showed a window that they're deciding who's gonna who's gonna get that last second shot, and that should not be the case. And that's just kind of a off the rails of what we're talking about. But yeah. I, I think a lot of times players don't develop in the way they should playing in that type of environment, and I think what we've seen with trip and some of the things that we wish that we would see from him over the years. I think a lot of that's not happening because there's not a lot of structure. It's just kind of, we roll the balls out, Jaw's the point guard and what Jaw goes out there, what decisions he makes. That's just what we're going to roll with. I mean, and, and I, and I think with Roddy, we saw it with, with Dylan Brooks. I, I think, I, I think, and I think the reason why, and and I've been, what David said earlier, I've been one of the ones to say, I don't, I don't think he was ever going to work here just because of I think he felt some type of way about him being the, the most tenured player on the team and you bring these young guys in with Josh, ja, Tripp, and, and even especially Desmond Bain coming in much later and kind of passing them in the pecking order. I don't think he exactly loved that. I think he felt like, well, these guys are getting shots. I was here before them. I'm this. I did. I feel like I need to get my shots up too. And I think he just kind of felt that way. And I don't know if he – would have I, I think it's part of both. I, I don't know if he ever would have reined himself all the way in, but I also think Taylor Jenkins had a responsibility to at least attempt to, and I don't think he did. I, I think he just let Dylan go out there and do whatever he wants to. And I think that's kind of the same thing you do you see with David Roddy. Um because especially when you're talking about a guy where David Roddy is in a rotation when his team is healthier, healthier than they are now, he was still getting playing time a lot of times and he's out there doing this stuff, that leads me to believe that Taylor Jenkins is not saying anything to him about when he's going out there, making these mistakes, calling his own number, taking these bad shots, and and killing momentum at times.
1: Yeah, I think Taylor Jenkins is much more big picture than that. So he will – I think they eventually ended up saying things to Dylan, but it was more suggestions, and there were no real consequences. Like, because Jenkins has a clear, you know, timeline of when he – rotations, when he wants people in and out, he's not willing to bench guys for mistakes and i you know it's a players coach thing i get it but also because of that it makes it hard to truly rein in some of your players but i will say this the one role that i have seen jenkins play out is the is the rookie role right the The stand in the corner role outside of the go stand in the corner role if you get the open shot hit it that uh he tends to designate for certain guys for Zaire williams for even like a Gigi Jackson, sometimes they you know just stand on the corner and 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 shoot. Outside of that, there really are no real true roles. I think I think the players have had to learn that on their own. I really do.
0: Yeah, I think there's there's a line there, right? Like you you don't want to as a coach go out and destroy your players' confidence. Yes. But you need them to understand. There are boundaries, and it just just doesn't feel like they're there. I want to go – I kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, but something that I got a little bit frustrated with, the – heading into this season, the only rotation player – or essentially the only rotation player that is healthy right now for the Grizzlies is Luke Kennard. I expected more from him last night, and and maybe – because other teams know that he is an offensive thread and he's going to be a, a focus. We won't get what I'm expecting from him, but were you guys okay with the performance that you saw from Luke last night, or did, did you want more from him as well?
2: I don't think he played terribly last night, but I'm with you going to the game. I kind of joked on Twitter that he's going to take 40 shots. Um, and that was obviously an exaggeration, but, with the position that they're in, like the Grizzlies put out the graphic uh, last night before the game, that he was like the only player playing last night that hadn't played significant time in the, in the G league on, on the roster um, in that situation, you expect him to take more than 13 shots. He only took 13 shots last night. I, I think he did a, a, a pretty solid job of running the point uh, when he was in there and the, not looking like he was overwhelmed, had 14 points, three rebounds, two assists, was six and thirteen from the floor. Was only two of eight from three, um, in, in thirty-three minutes. But you just want to see him be more aggressive than that, because because even we, we've talked about him needing to be more aggressive, even within the Florida of offense when the team is healthy. He's not. He didn't even do it last night, and and he was essentially the quasi-star player uh, for for this team last night for what they had out there in thirteen shots. That's just not going to cut it. You expect them to get thirteen shots on a normal basis, the long one you're the the long guy that this team pretty much has. And I and I don't think it was just because the Knicks' defense was zeroing in on him and anything. There there were opportunities for him to get looks. He's just, he's just kind of a passive guy, like on the floor. He's just not a guy that's super aggressive in in, in trying to find his shots. And I think he has the ability, the way that he can shoot the basketball to where he should do that. And last night he wasn't. I mean, 13 shots in that situation, that's not gonna, I mean, you expect him to have at least 20. Um in, in in the situation that he is last night. So I agree. I don't – not that, it, that he played terribly. Like I said, had 14 points, uh, 6 or 13 for the floor. You would just like to to see him take more shots than that.
1: I'm fine with it. I, I am because I think I, – I think I put Luke Kennard in the vein that I put a John Conchar. They are who they are. And we've just talked about Taylor Jenkins not doing a good job of defining people's roles and things like that. I – well, the guys who aren't drafted on the Grizzlies understand their role and who they are, and they don't really try to play outside of themselves. That's why you didn't see Biz Biyombo try to take a three point three point attempt because just because you know, Till Jenkins wants his bigs to take three-point attempts. These guys come in and they understand who they are, and I, I can respect not being willing to play outside of yourself and mess up your game because eventually you're going to have to go back. Now, this season is a, you know, really wash it, it is what it is, but He's not a guy – he's a guy who I feel like if you if he tried to play outside of himself, he'd lose what he has. Like, we saw John Conchart start and do well for the first 10 or so games. And then when it he eventually, you know, lost his juice, and then when it's time for him to go back in his role, he could not do that. He could not adjust. He struggled to make any kind of shot, whereas normally he'd be reliable with a wide-open three. Couldn't count on him to do that. He just seemed to struggle to find his own game again. And it really wasn't until some flashes could come playoff time that you really saw even glimpses of what he normally did well. You know, that that stuff comes at a cost. You know, asking guys who have a main role to play outside of themselves. Some guys just don't have that. It's why you're grateful for guys like Gigi Jackson who do have higher ceilings who can play outside. And I really just think it's an understanding of your personnel. You can ask Luke Kennard to take more shots. But I don't think that's better for him long term. I mean, I really don't. Like I think I think you get a more, much more confused, a much less efficient Luke Knard next year if you're if he's playing the bulk of these games this year outside of who he is. Um, would it be nice? Yeah, but I think at a certain point you just have to accept players for who they are, and uh, I think you lean on your young guys to potentially show you more or less. And guys like Gigi are guys who you can see stepping up. Um, just know your personnel, man. I just, I think I just know my personnel. Luke is going to do what he's going to do. I've been fine with the shot selection recently this year when he's had more talent around him. Um, he's taken a couple shots that were contested. I've seen him take contested shots before. Um, I think people forget that. But when Dad, when when Jai was back, Dad was here. He took a couple shots that were contested. They didn't go in. Um, for him at that time, so maybe they're not as memorable, but I've seen him do it enough to where I'm not terrified of when he goes back to we get our talent, we can take the shot if he's not wide open. I've seen him do it. So I think he just picks his spots and he's not going to overdo it because he's just not built that way, and that like, that's okay. Everybody can't be the same personality type or prototype on the team. You need different guys to fit different bills.
0: That's fair. Good point. toy We've been we're we've been going for about an hour here, but I, I want to we we've kind of touched on Vince Williams a little bit. I want to go back to him before we get out of here. We saw him last night. Uh, he initiated offense a lot. He had the ball in his hand a lot last night. Seventeen points, eight rebounds, eight assists. Wasn't super efficient from the field, five of thirteen. But what you saw from him last night initiating the offense, we've talked a couple of times this year about the makeup of this roster and how they didn't really have anybody that you could count on to be a a ball handler when Ja or Dez were not on the floor because of Derrick Rose's health issues. Did you see enough from Vince last night initiating the offense to think that that could be a role for him moving forward?
2: I I think – I don't think anybody – before Vince got this wrong. Like, I'm a big believer in him. I think we all kind of believe that he was a guy that have given an opportunity that he could flourish in that role, but I don't think really anybody thought he would flourish in the vein of playmaking the way that he has. That eight assists again last night, and this is becoming not a fluke. I think the game before that, he might have had six. He's He's been doing this like <laughs> since, since he started playing, man. He's had really, really good assist numbers, and I don't think that was something that people – thought. I mean, I, I don't think his assist numbers were super high in, in college. He was kind of the guy that was offensively taking the shots, uh, but it, it really does look like that he could be has some, some, some pretty decent facilitation um, uh, in his game um, potential there on, on that end. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's a fluke thing. I mean, he, he's a pretty good passer, uh, I and mean, I, I think that's definitely something that he could add out of that role gets to the free throw line. I mean, he just does everything so to speak he rebounds um he's knocked down he did he was one of seven for three last night but he's been a decent three-point shooter he pretty much has the whole package uh you you talk about that role that slow kyle anderson used to play on his team he's kind of that but better uh, but as far as offensive numbers and his offensive ability I, I think he could really be a better version of kyle anderson uh on his team because he does have that playmaking ability in his game. Uh, We saw some of that with Kyle Anderson as well. Uh, I mean, he's a a good, awesome defender. He just is a full package, man. It just makes me think about that contract and how big of a steal that is. I mean, I think you got to look up in the team and and awesome that they got that fourth year option, team option on that. That, That's going to be the best contract in the league. I really do. I can say that. I believe with confidence right now that we're going to look up in a couple of years and that's going to be the best contract in the league because he's only going to get better. I mean, this is a guy that we're talking about just, just kind of stepped in a role, was playing both in the G League and just playing garbage time minutes, doing what he's doing. He's going to get better the, the more NBA reps that he gets. I mean, I don't think we've seen a finished product from him. So that's kind of scary. But, yeah, man, to answer your question, I definitely think that he could be a guy that, that you can facilitate some offense through because those assist numbers have been pretty consistent since he's been playing.
1: Yeah. I will say this. He was – like the guy at VCU. And so I think with that comes the innate ability at, at the very least, even if the assist numbers don't show it, making the right reads off of how defenses play on you. So, so the question was, would that translate from the college level to the NBA level? And that, I think that was the big question. Most people did not think that it would translate, but it it seems to have, it seems to, it seems to uh, work with him. But like I said, he's a guy that just does whatever you need. Um, But we are seeing the playmaking become just as consistent as his rebounding. So I think there is a trend there. It's more than just spot here, spot there. It is developing. And, you know, I just talked about Luke Kennard, a guy who I'm fine with taking, you know, 13 shots. All right, cool with me. It wasn't like six shots or anything. Like, you know, cool. Give those shots to Vince Williams Jr. Give those shots to GD Jackson. Like, let the guys who I think could have a higher ceiling to take this team to the next level. I'm fine with those guys getting those shots, and they may not make them all. That's fine. We're at a time where the season is what it is. Like at this point, just see what see what you have in those in those guys. And I think I'd rather that's, that's what I'd rather do anyway. Because I think you're right, Isaac. Like you'll see these guys get better, not even just over the years, but I think in the season. It's sort of the Vince Williams Jr. development reminds me of pace wise the de- the Desmond Bain development in terms of just how quickly he was able to add aspects to his game, how quickly he was able to just get more consistent over time in a rare way that I think maybe this may, this may be more defensively than offensively, but I don't know, maybe even offensively we just saw, we saw Desmond evolve into just this complete whole player so fast. I think you could really see something similar with, with Vince Williams Jr. They have different, you know, play styles and like, Strengths obviously they're different players, but just the rapidness with which he's become this key rotation player, I think when 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 we first started seeing these things from Desmond Bain, I think everybody assumed that that was just the development staff. I think there are some guys that just take to the NBA like water, <laughs> like ducks in water, and that's pretty much Vince Williams. The guy I think we've learned seeing a Jake, seeing a Roddy, seeing a Zaire still struggle, that it's not automatic, right, that guys just hop in the Grizzlies and then develop quickly. But I think we can appreciate when they do, and, and that's that's all Vince Williams Jr. has done since he's really been given a true chance.
2: Yeah, I think Bain is just a, a gym rat. I, I, don't, I don't think a lot of that had – I'm not going to say they didn't have any – this coaching staff didn't have anything to do with his development, but I think he – He's just a guy that just works, works, works. He never, never quits. Like, I don't think he really has a, a real off season. I think when he hops in the gym as soon as the season over, that's the type yeah. of guy he is. He's always working. Like, you see these videos. He's getting shots up or doing this. He talks about working on his handle. And we've definitely seen improvements there. And we've definitely seen just tremendous improvements on the defensive end. Like, I, I didn't know if he could be even the defender that he is now. When he first mm-hmm. came in it just felt like he was going to be one of those guys. Okay. He, he, he could be awesome offensively, but he's never really going to be a a, a guy that really plays significant defense. And I'm not saying he's a plus defender or anything right now, but he's a solid defender. Like he did defend this position. And especially when you look at his shortcomings, as far as having short arms and and everything like that, that lets you know that he's put in the work. I mean, and like I said, I don't want to give, I don't think I give the, the coaching staff a lot of that. I think a lot of that, it's just him working. He's just that type of guy. Even at TCU, you did the stories about how he'd never leave the gym. And I, I just think that's kind of in his DNA. And I think Vince Williams Jr. is one of those type of guys, too. He's just a gamer, a guy that's just going to work hard. You're, gonna get, you're always going to get whatever he has out of him. He he strikes me as being that type of guy as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think that that's – Just across the history uh, of the NBA, there may be – I'm sure that there are some development stories, right? Like these guys have the talent they get with the coaches. Stuff gets unlocked for them. But at the end of the day, it's going to come down to them specifically. Are they willing to put that time in? And you can have the right coaches around them, and if they're not willing to put the time in, they're never going to get there. Um, So I'm glad – that, uh, that Vince is kind of, you know, he, he's been what this team has needed. Unfortunately, it took this team getting ravaged with injuries to find out that this is what they needed, you know, and it's – we've used the term politics on a number of occasions, but it's a lot of it's just ego, man. Like, you, you – who cares that you drafted this kid in the first round You drafted this guy in the second round. If the guy that you drafted in the second round is outperforming him, then the best thing for the team is to play the guy that's outperforming him. And we just haven't seen that from them. Whether that is Jenkins or Kleiman or whoever it is, we haven't seen that consistently from them. But uh, I look forward – I was kidding around last night, and I was like, somebody put D'Anthony Melton in the upgrade machine and Vince Williams Jr. walked out. (laughs) <laughs> That's really what I, you know, uh D'Anthony Melton had the Mr. Do Something nickname. And Vince is out here doing a lot of the same things that we saw from D'Anthony Melton. And I think that he's doing them at a higher level and yeah.
2: more consistently. Yeah, I think he's a mix between D'Anthony Melton and Kyle Anderson. Like yep. a lot of the things that he does and I think he's better <laughs> than, than those guys already. I think definitely better offensively than Kyle Anderson and he has more size than, than Melton, So he can do better things on a defensive end as for it. And it's a better rebounder uh, than D'Anthony Melton. So I think you have a lot of those guys in him and you got it in one player. So man, it's just, uh, I, I feel player. really good. And it feels like we've found two players here with him and, and Gigi. And that's not, I don't think what the expectations were. And again, I don't think we be seeing this if it wasn't for the injuries, but it's, that's a silver lining. I think out of all of this, and that's what I'm going to be, Looking forward to down the line, just development. Seeing Vince Williams Jr. and Gigi soak up these minutes and just continue to improve their game and and and, and get that run out there, man. I'm just that's that's what the solace that I'm going to take out of the rest of the season. They're going to be some some tough times, man. They're they're going to be games where they really struggle. Games where they lose and they don't look the way they don't lose the way they lost last night. Like that game last night wasn't painful to watch, e- even though they lost. It was just that it wasn't a, a a question of effort or anything like that. It was just, they were just out talented last night. And that's what you're going to get a lot of times, but if they're playing the way that they played last night, I can deal with those losses better than some of the, some of the ones we saw, like in that first 25 games, where it seemed like they just didn't give a damn about being out there. But it's like they, if, if you give an effort, man, I can, I can always deal with that. If you just don't have the talent.
1: And, and I think the difference between like what it would be watching these, these next, these last rest of the season out versus the first 25 games was, the hopelessness or the frustration of watching guys who you need to step up, not step yeah. up. I think the big difference is seeing guys who have stepped up, young guys who have stepped up, that can contribute to their future. Because I think the first 25 games could have been a lot less painful to watch had had Zaire taken a consistent step or David Roddy taken a consistent step or Jake LaRavia taken a consistent step. But Because those guys continued to falter, it just sort of left you with this – feeling of there's a huge hole here and even our future isn't as bright as we thought it was but it's the opposite now you got your you got the, the future of Vince future of Gigi and that seems very bright and that can overshadow a lot of the poor play sometimes that we will have to endure unfortunately <laughs> uh moving forward but it, it gives a different just gives a whole different vibe um knowing that there's something that can, you can add to next year and that this year isn't a complete total waste.
0: So I want to touch on one more thing and then then we can wrap it up and get out of here. The Grizzlies are going to have some roster spots available here with the, you know, the, the I'm sure there's going to be some hardship coming up. They'll be, um, they haven't opened two ways since they converted Vince Williams to a guaranteed contract. It's obvious that they need size. There's been a couple of names that started off Kai Jones there were a lot of Grizzlies fans that were like, oh, that, that's who we want. You know, the big man, that's who they need to go out and get. Uh, but but recently, more so it's been uh Trey Jemison. Um, do you guys who do you like for them to go out? Because you know, it's been kind of leaked that hey, they're they're gonna go out and they're gonna try and get a big in this other two way slot. Do you guys have a front runner? Do you have somebody that you like for that spot?
2: Man, I think Kai Jones would be Awesome. Uh, We talked about that on on the last episode. My my thing with with Jones is, is that a guy that Clymer's really going to bring into this locker room? I I don't know if the answer to that question is is yes, because we know he's had his issues. That's kind of why he's on the couch right now. It it would be totally against their MO. Now, they've done things that goes against their their MO, like bringing in Marcus Smart and bringing in in, in vets like that, Derek Rose, guys like that. That didn't really fit their MO either, so maybe at this point, they might go a different direction and do something that you wouldn't expect them to do, but I, I would be kind of surprised if they brought in Kai Jones, but talent-wise, I don't think there's any question. I think you could possibly get the guys to loop still, because, I mean, he has big-time, big-time potential. Like, talent-wise, there's no reason he should be on the couch. It, it doesn't have anything to do with his talent or skills. That was the reason why he's not on the NBA roster right now, it's the other stuff that why he's unemployed. Uh, but but Trey Jemison, I think, is a another guy that could have some potential upside and I think makes a lot of sense for this roster because he's still young um, and a guy that I think you could look at as being a developmental long-term piece for this team. I mean, rebounds the hell out of the basketball, some athletic. um, I just think young guy and another guy that you could put on their two-ray right now. And since it's late in the season, I uh, you, you, I guess he has a lot of time left that he could play, could play the rest of the season. He's another young guy you could bring in here and see what you have in him. And, and maybe if you watching him the remainder of this season, he looks like a guy you could say, okay, going to the next season, he looks like a piece that could be a part of this rotation. So I, I think both of those guys make a lot of sense. Those would be the two names. I, I think talent wise, Kai Jones is a no brainer. It's just, are you willing to to bring that guy in the locker room? And I think Jemison makes a lot of sense for the reasons that I just laid out as well.
1: Man, I'm team throw stuff at the wall and see if it sticks. I really, I really am. I just, I don't want to, I don't want them to get too stuck on a guy that that isn't performing, man. Just, just find somebody, see if they can give you some production, man. I mean, they're obviously going to have a lot of uh, 10 day contracts to work with. Uh, So they'll have some flexibility to see it, you know, I mean, 10 days, not that 10 days is really enough time, but I mean, you, you can, you can, sort of gauge. This isn't going to be a year where you're going to get a ton of continuity anyway. It just seems like the injuries are just going to be, you know, com- coming on in waves. So this really isn't about a year for building continuity. Man, Give guys a shot. See if they can make it work. I don't love giving, especially with dads going down and Marcus going down. I don't love the idea anymore of, uh, you know, making the big trade for the center, at least not like not mid season at least, and probably off season more. I would say make that make that kind of move in terms of getting a, a long term center that's like with experience. Uh if they're gonna do that, I don't wanna see them necessarily give up future assets for a half of season that is really, you know, outside of development for our young guys. That's really all it's about. Um so throw stuff at the wall and see if it sticks. I don't care. I just, they need to do something. No, they got to get some size. It's getting pretty ridiculous. Yeah.
2: yeah. Especially just, just to the wear and tear on the guys. You're going to bring Jaren back. I mean, you don't need to run these guys into the ground. So they just, they need a body that they can throw out there even more than anything. Even before you start talking about, okay, is this a a guy that could be a piece long-term they need just body wise right now. They need to do.
1: They need they need a couple dudes really. Um, and that way I like I said, run them out, see what they do. If it's not working out, I, hey, move try somebody else for real. I'm really I'm really not sold on just having a one person and giving them a ton of run. I think anybody that get should be on a relatively short lease just because the, it's a year of experimentation and, and hashtag data collecting. So yeah, that's where we are f- now, <laughs> Just do that.
0: With Jake going down last night, um, right. and, you know, Jaron was just kind of a rest type deal. You know, they mentioned they mentioned the knee, but with, with Jake going down, we're going to count Jaron as a healthy player. They've only got nine guys healthy right now, so yeah, you can go out there and you know, if you want to give Kai Jones a 10 day and see what he's got, see if he he. Some guys learn when when you get cut. He didn't just get cut; like he was like I, I'm. I won't say blacklisted. He's not in the league right now, but you know he had the talent. And then he goes out here, he, he's acting a fool, and now he's sending home on the couch. And maybe that's a wake up call for him. Maybe that's enough for him to realize, okay, I, I need to be a little bit more sure about this and take this serious if I want this to be my career. Um, and, and another guy that I like, and, and we don't have to spend any time on him, but Vernon Carey is a guy that I, I think that they should take a look at. I know that guys, likes guys from Duke, but he's a six foot, 10 inch guy that can rebound the basketball. He played extremely well in his one season at Duke. And, and I just find it hard to believe that he's not NBA level talent. So there yeah. are there are plenty of guys out there they can go and sign on these 10 days just to run them out and see what's going on uh i i don't i'm not a team you have to go out and commit to signing somebody to this full time two way without giving them a 10 day first um yeah. you know the, the the rule is there it's uh, i think it's less than 4 years of nba experience you can be signed a two year contract or two way contract so go out there and look at some of these guys run them out there see what's going on
2: yeah, uh, I don't think there's any any question about it because they, they definitely have the minutes and the infrastructure to, to bring somebody in and see what they have because, I mean, that's pretty much what this is going to be uh, the rest of the season. I think wins and losses at this point are extremely secondary. Uh, there's no reason to to really push your, your veteran guys. So you have minutes for young guys to come in and I think a lot of this is going to be really important to kind of point them in a certain direction of what they need to do this offseason, what they need to do going forward, which one of these guys do they, if any, do they need to, to keep on the wing outside of Vince Williams and Gigi? Um, so if you bring a guy in at center, like I said, those young guys, especially like the three guys that talk about trade J- Jemison or Kai Jones, or uh, even Vernon Carey, as, as David brought up, you can see what you have in those guys. And you might find out, man, these, this one of these guys is a piece that we feel like could really be a part of this rotation. So maybe something that we were planning on doing, maybe we don't, have to put that many resources into that so it, that I, I think they but i think that first and foremost as we said they definitely need somebody to come in here and to kind of take some pressure off some of some of these guys because like now you're at the point where if you're sitting guys it's you're putting yourself in a position where you don't even have guys to cover the positions. like we saw last night where you had to have luke Kennard playing mainly point guard and don't have a backup center you got david roddy playing backup center and stuff like that that's not necessarily what you want because even though the wins and losses don't matter, that's not good for those guys' development. Like you playing David Roddy at backup center, that's not what he's gonna be. Um and, and Luke Nar is not necessarily gonna be playing point guard. So it's not that's not great for those guys development either. So right. um, it, it, it's gonna be interesting to see how this plays out, but they have avenues to, to go out and add guys. Like I said, they have an exception. They would have to open up a roster spot to do that. I still think at the deadline that they they could still attempt to to consolidate some of these guys. I don't know if they will. Um, I've seen reports that that they'll gauge the market, but they don't expect them to do anything significant. But I don't necessarily think moving some of those wings is really significant. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I I definitely think we're going to see at least one, if not two new faces in here at at some point during the rest of the season.
1: Does Noel make a comeback?
2: Man, I I wouldn't mind it. I I wouldn't be mad at it.
0: I don't I don't hate it for sure. I you know, I wanted him to be on the roster moving forward after his stint with him anyway. So no, I, I will say this. Candace made the point uh um, you know, they don't have to go out and all right well, how'd you how'd you wear that? You were not go out and They'd have to and go out and, the, and
1: give assets up for you know the to future get it out for this year. Yeah, like yeah, especially I, with Marcus yeah. out, out, and really making a plan is, is really of my concern. So you don't really have to give up assets for the future for half of a season of some guy who's on an expired contract, I don't think.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree with that. But I I think if you can go out and get somebody that you could see as a future piece for this team, that you have them under contract and and you kind of control what's going on with them for the next couple of years, if the price is right, go out and do it, right? You know, just because you have injuries. If you – Yeah, I agree with that one even even though we didn't really see the core of this team play that many games together, what was it? What did – was it – we even get six games, six or seven games with, with everybody I mean, healthy? Crazy how many – just overall,
2: league. like, in their careers, how many games they've had together. It's just craziness, man, that they just can't seem to get those those guys on the floor together at the same time for any significant stretch, man. I, I don't even know what to say, man. It's just like they're cursed. Like, I don't know, know what it is at this point. Yeah, but
0: but you could see you could see the holes in this roster, even with the minimal amount of games that we had them on the floor this season. So it, it's easy to look and say, okay, this is this is a hole, this is a void. Yeah, so if somebody recruit. is is out here and they're available and the price is right, I'm okay jumping on it right now as long as the price is right. But you definitely have don't have to overextend at this point because you can just Hey, I'm going to set where I'm at and we'll go into next season and see. Because you have, you know, Brandon Clark is a guy that they're like, oh, he's going to be back after the All Star break. And I'll bet my entire house that we don't see him this year. Um, I think that it's going to be a next year thing. You have guys that are injured right now that when they come back and they're healthy with the development of these players that we're going to see the rest of this season. You got an eight to nine man rotation that's as good as any in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see what happens. We appreciate you guys tuning in. I want to try and wrap this up before football starts. You guys got anything else you want to touch on before we go? No.
2: Uh, go Cowboys! I got to anyway. I'm editing that BS out. That
0: <laughs> we ain't keeping it. <laughs> All right, guys, you can get me on X. At NBA D 21. the show is at Ethos Grizzlies.
1: Yep, you can find me at candaceh H nine hundred one, and I'll let Isaac as long as he doesn't talk about the Cowboys anymore. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, man. Um, MLK game that day. Uh, MLK Day game tomorrow, man. Always uh, a a really special event with the the symposium and everything around that and based around that honoring Dr. King, man. Always a special event. Of always a uh, going back to the early days of the team, something they've done. Memphis has always been a part of that. So 5 PM on, on TNT um, playing the golden state warriors. Uh, I know we, we kind of talked about not really caring about wins and losses at this point And just more so worried about coming concerned with the development and what you're seeing from team and young guys getting better, but it it, it would never be a bad thing to beat the warriors on, on national television, man. I would, I would love for them to find a way to to get this win tomorrow, man. Cause I, Getting the war- beating the Warriors never gets old, man. So be on the lookout for that. 5 p.m. tomorrow, 5 p.m. tip on TNT. Thank everybody for tuning in. Go over there and eat those Grizzlies. Give us a like and a follow. You can find me on Twitter at Isaac double underscore NBA. And until next time, we're gone.